Welcome to episode 71 of the Break 80 podcast. It's officially team golf season in the professional ranks where the individualism of golf gets put aside for a couple weeks. This last week, we had the Solheim Cup for the women. This week, we have the Ryder Cup for the men. And here to talk about it all with me is Top 100 Tim and Short Sighted Mike. And guys, for the sport that is typically a lonely island for the majority of the time it's played, is there anything better as a golfer or perhaps even a viewer than these last two events? Um, Not really. I mean... The only thing that's hard for us Americans is I believe Friday's TV coverage is at 1.30 a.m. The first the first round, which will fine, you know, whatever. Get up in the morning. Um, I just think I, I hope Americans watch this. This is how golf was meant to be played. Mano a mano match play. Real golf. This is real golf. This is the way they played it in the old in the old days. Uh, you, when you play against somebody, not just a golf course, but against somebody else. The way it's meant to be played. And it's so much fun. I believe Patrick Reed said in match play, you know, if you're stroke play, you have to think about playing against 150 other guys, right? Whereas match play, it's me and one other. That's all that matters. It's the beauty of it. It's great. It's amazing. So anyways, um, I know Tim's found out the hard way in match play, with, but you know, he's hotter lately against you, Mike. We might I am we the best player a, in September. I tell you what, we might drop a little golf this weekend coming up this next week. I might get the game together just at the end of the year, just in time. To... <laughs> update, update. He is not retired this season. He is. You know, not... I might. Yeah, th- I. We have a problem here because the worst thing that could happen, the absolute worst thing that could happen, is like let's say this last month of the season or whatever, I play good or well, you know. So then I have no reason to get my fat ass in shape. And to practice and anything for next year, just the same old, same old. Cause I'm like, huh, that yeah, was just a slump. We got out of it finally. You know, so in reality, I I need to play shitty, but I don't want to, obviously. We've got to try to beat Timmy at the end of the year. He's been on a heater here's, lately. Here's what I know I am the best player on this podcast. <laughs> that is a fact. In September, I have all of the winning records over both of you two and I'm showing the most growth of anyone's game right now. So yes, I I agree with the match play aspect. I think I think it's uh, it's way more fun for the game. It's good for the boys, uh, and who knows? In, maybe we maybe we can play a little simulator match tomorrow. In Jeff at, at, uh, in, oh yeah, yeah. Marco Simone, I believe, is where they're going to play, aren't they? Uh, yep, yeah. At Mulligans. Uh, in our defense, for Jeff and I, you're the only one that golfs out of the three of us this month, basically. So, I mean, I mean, we're we're actually working. Well, welcome back to having a job. <laughs> it's hard out here for those of us that had to work for a living through the entirety of summer. <laughs> I yeah. would not, for a second, call it your life work. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get you on the team, Mike. I tried to get you over here. The most work you do in a day is is figuring out what kind of inspirational quote to write up about Applebee's or Chili's. I actually I don't <laughs> have to think about those. I put whatever my boss gives me in the morning. He sends us inspirational quotes. I put those quotes over the top. No, of you photos do not. Chili's. Yes, no, this is exactly not. what I do. Yes, <laughs> that makes them even better now that that I know that. I can't believe you didn't know that. Yeah, I, I, I did that. I had no I idea. I take every, every aspirational quote I'm given by management, and I put them over the top of photos <laughs> of chilies as I pick up lunches for doctors. God, I hope they're listening. I hope I hope the management, <laughs> whatever this company is, is listening. <laughs> hey, I'm out there working. I'm grinding. It's, it's, it's not my fault. I choose to use your quotes in that way. <laughs> well, speaking about their grinding, the Solheim Cup was this last weekend, and there was a lot of grinding going on. The 14-14 tie. Yes, I said tie, as the Europeans did retain the cup. But before we get into the actual action of what happened, I, I want to bring this up. I think we have this debate every year because, you know, tying is it's not something that I don't understand. I understand that there's a rule there that you re, you get to, you know, keep it if you have it. But when it comes to a tie, what are we teaching our youth? I mean, come on, let's let's settle. We gotta have a winner and a loser. We can't tie and say, "Oh, you get it because you won it last year." That's not really. Let's actually settle it. So I propose that you get to pick one player from each play. Each each team proposes what gets one player, just one. Let's throw it on on one player's shoulders, and every teammate, everybody's out there. We start hole one, 
and we just go until somebody, you know, loses or wins the hole, and then it's over, and then that's I, I like I like cutting the trophy in half. Like let's let's teach some of the softness that it it shouldn't exist by ruining tradition and heritage and historical artifacts. Cut the trophy in half. Give each each team half the trophy. They I mean, can it's weld just it a, back together. Just a, it's just a crystal vase or whatever the hell it is. How about this yeah, idea? Yeah, but the Ryder Cup's not. No, the, that's the a classic. Uh, that that by the way, I I have the history of the Ryder Cup here from the last since nineteen eighty five. There's only been one time. We'll get into that later. But um, how about this one? You throw all twenty four players out there at once, and you do a derby. You know, like uh, you know, if you got one bogey on the first hole and the rest are all birdies and pars, that person's out, and you work your way down to whoever wins. It. <laughs> You, you just okay. you, keep, you just keep working till till it's down to one or, okay. or all all from one side and they win it all. No, I I don't mind something like that or however you want to like do it. The only thing that we're gonna run into problems is gonna be daylight. You know they they kind of don't start the singles until I don't know like what time like ten or eleven. You know during the day, and that's why you had the one match with what was it Ernie Els and Tiger or something like that coming down. Yeah, the president's cup. In the dark. And if you have any sort of weather delays, that's why I propose you just go one hole sudden death. Because if even if you try to do nine holes, I don't know how you can sneak that in. And that can be well, kind of a, a tough little thing. So I'm just saying there's gotta be I just like having a winner and lose. I know I know they technically won, but I just it doesn't feel that way. Like it it was a tie. It's like playing basketball. You beat us you beat us at your home court last year just because you beat us last year now that you tied fourteen to fourteen, we're gonna say you win. Come on now. Well, you couldn't have a putting contest because the U.S. would have zero chance. I watched, I watched a lot of it on Sunday before, and what a what a shitty day Sunday. Well, you coming off the Gophers debacle on Saturday night? I watched that, and then I watched the U.S. lose the Ryder Cup or the Solheim Cup, and then I watched the Vikings shit show. Um, the U.S. like Nelly Corda putts putted worse than I would have putted, and I'm not a good putter by any stretch of the imagination. Like watching the U.S. putt compared to the European teams, like um headwall for the Europeans who did not play the first three event parts. She sat out all day the first day and didn't play till the second event the second day. Made putts from everywhere on uh, the back night where Nelly Corda's missing like multiple five footers and in. Um so putting dinged them. But yeah, I don't know. Like like I don't know what you do. Like whatever. I'm you know I don't doesn't matter to me really. You still get the same. I guess it would add a little bit of drama, but I don't know. Well, I, I think you, you have the, all right, who's your hottest player? Like, who who in this? Okay, let's say that this this happened. I, let's say that you are Stacy Lewis, and you have to pick one player to sudden death versus European. Europeans probably are going to pick Saganda or probably whoever their heart, you know, their, she's kind of their stolen heart of their team, correct? Saganda or the one that I'm telling you, Headwall. Was yeah, un, was unbelievable down the stretch. It was she birdied like five holes in the back nine. It was just insane. Under through the last six. Yeah, but um, yeah, Saganda after shanking one. Apparently, we don't know because the TV coverage was so shitty. Um, after shanking one, which they never showed, just hit two at like two of the best shots back to back. Maybe, maybe the best like back to back approach shots in all men's women's like Ryder Cup solo in history. Like those were just two darts right at the flag after after shanking one, which is bizarre. I would have been shanking multiple in a row after one. If that is one of the best, then Headwall's last six holes has to be one of the best all-time closing. Crazy. Down, down two, down three, sorry, after hole 12. You're down three. You win by two up. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, but that was like, she was making putts from everywhere they were like bomb it was like bomb after bomb and then she finally hit one somewhat close like 15 feet but it was like a massive bender made it like it was unbelievable and like the most unconventional putting like she kind of is like crouched over like super short putter it's just crazy yeah that was that was crazy um yeah i think you know i I don't know if you you got a chance to watch a lot of it tim but when i watch saganda um i get like Ian Poulter vibes, you know, like she's not, you know, she's a really good player, but she's got this facade when she, she has the most energy out of anybody on the team for sure. Like she just has, she never trailed in a single match ever. 
all, she went four and all yep. didn't show once. Um, and you know, she doesn't sit there. She hasn't won a billion majors. She hasn't, you know, she's just one of those classic European, right. You know, Solheim cup grinder. Slow. You need to slow as hell plays so ungodly slow. Um, yeah, I don't, I think, though, if you look at it on paper, the Europeans had more. I mean, obviously, Nelly Corda's ranked one. But if you go top 20 in the world, probably, the Europeans had more players ranked higher um, than the Americans. You know, they had a better, they had more depth. Um, but some of the Americans showed up. Cheyenne Knight played really well. Like, I think, you know, like the one that didn't, Rose Dang did not play well. She struggled. And Nelly Corda struggled. Um but yeah, I don't know. I think I think like it just goes back to um what what Rory said on subpar the other day about the Ryder Cup. It's become really hard to win on foreign soil. Like it it's 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 hard to do. Um and you know, I don't and obviously the Solan Cup didn't have the crowds, the Ryder Cup did, but um I don't know. I actually thought it would have been if it would have been amazing if Nelly Corda would have got a half. The best, the best TV would have been Will Lexi Thompson blow up because she was going into meltdown mode. She was dominating. She was four up through five, or four up with five to play. And uh, I was watching it. Well, I was like, man, all all they need is Nelly Corda to ha- get a half, and they're going to win because Lexi's not going to lose. The next thing you know, she's got like wedge in her hand on 15 you know all, and then she blows it like she's like 25 yards right of the green or whatever it was just crazy shitty stuff just in pure meltdown mode that would have been great television if it would have, if it would have came out of that especially after her press conference where she refused to answer about her shank which is really shitty actually i think i think uh you know lexi let's first of all give her some props she played actually pretty well i mean outside she of the moments very she, well Solid. way better than anybody really could have anticipated so that gives me a little hope about the jt thing you know like he, he's gonna i think he's just gonna be able to figure it out we'll get to the Ryder cup a little bit but lexi has this this mentality that she doesn't feel like she has to answer in tough spots like can you imagine lexi thompson being an nfl kicker when they miss the game winning field goal can you imagine lexi thompson when you're the goalie and you give up a uh, go, like there, you have to answer questions of pivotal moments in any yeah. team, or like, like, or like Rory. You know, Rory, Rory at every single major when he top tens has to get up there at a press conference and they ask him the same question. You know, when are you going to win a major? It's been ten years. Like, the question wasn't even bad. Like, did you listen to? The, did you see the video of it? She shanked the chip, like legit shanked it, and then. They simply asked her, like, what happened? And she just, like, didn't want to answer. Like, they didn't ask her. The, the reporter wasn't a dick. It was it was a very matter-of-fact question that anybody would have asked. And she just didn't. It was so weird. I actually found it funny because she goes, I'm not answering that. And then she goes into saying she has a bad lie and she has this. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just say, you know what? It was a tough shot. It was a bad lie for me. I wasn't quite sure how to hit the shot. Um, you had, It was it was propped up against something. I didn't know if I wanted to go with a, you know, one of those pop-up stab shots. If I wanted to do a, like, why don't you just get into detail and say, you know what? It was a difficult shot, a difficult situation. Yeah. And, and and then you're done. Like, you don't have, like, you got way more, pre- like, negative press trying to be, like, just, you know, I don't know what you call her attitude towards that. But it was just, like, it was really gross. Like, it's like, come on. A, Nobody's going to be a Lexi fan after watching or just like rudely come back at a, a fair question. I think everybody in the media thought it was fair. Um, I don't know. I mean, well, the fact some, that she... some folks just can't handle fair questions, you know, it's difficult <laughs> out there to handle a good I mean, fair fa- question. The fact that she puts with her glove on, I don't know. Anybody's a fan. That just drives me nuts. I can't yeah, even you, stand you can't watching come back it. Like, from that. You can't, there's no coming back from that. I mean, it's, I know Jack Nicholas did, but that was like back in the seventies and eighties. But anyway, um, then Jessica Cordra, you know, Nelly's sister, was all over Twitter kind of defending her. Blah, blah. I'm like, you are professional athletes making a lot. Even though I know it does, they don't make as much money as the men, so they make a lot of money. You know, Lexi Thompson makes a lot of money with Puma and whatever. And you are in the spotlight. They did not ask you a – it wasn't even a rough question. It was a simple what happened there question that anybody in any professional sport 
would have to answer a question, you know, whatever, kicker, whatever. They would have to answer that kind of question. To to sit there and not do it is just bizarre to me. Like, just, yeah, you're right. Just just explain what happened. Like, nobody, it's over. Whatever. Like, just talk about it. Yeah, I don't think anybody thought, like, oh, that was a super easy up and down. Like, we know it was difficult. Like, look yeah. at your stance. Look at your Look at where the ball was. It was a, it was not like it doesn't nobody was expecting you to make it. Like it's it was tough. Like let's just say that. So I don't know. We don't need to spend too much time on that. But I think she played well. She didn't handle herself well at the media, but at least she showed out with her game, which it could have been even worse. She could have I think she ended up winning. I think she had how many points? She was uh, she might have got she might have took three points out of that whole deal. She was she was good. Yeah. So, so I mean let's 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 just you know, obviously it's hindsight because we didn't see that was prior to her playing a couple other, you know, rounds and things. But, but anyways, um, let's let's learn from that, folks. If you ever get in front of a press conference, you know, someday, just throw it out there. Be transparent. I think people love transparency, honesty. Like that's some of the best way and tactics to go about it, even if it's a little bit more reflection on what you were going through. Even saying I was nervous. I, I mean, just saying something that gives the fan a relatability to you. We've all had tough chips. We've all had shots that are hard. Like we get it. Like, I I think that's like, to me, like if you're looking back, that's what I always made like Phil Mickelson kind of endearing to people. Like he would go up to the press conference, like at Wingfoot, and just be like, they'd ask him about that tee shot on 18, you know, and he'd be like, Oh, I'm such an idiot. You know, he would literally, he would just tell you, you know, like, how he what he felt like he was just honest about it you know obviously he's a kind of a goofball but like like i think i think if she would if she would have went up there and been on you know what she's talking about it would have endeared her to way more people she would have gained fans out of that just being honest you know than than the terrible look that it was to not explain what happened it was I, I, and i don't understand and then like stacy lewis it was just a bizarre the whole thing was bizarre like it was, it was a bizarre situation Mm-hmm. And I, I think she could actually come out and save herself. I think she could come out and say, you know what? After thinking about how I handle myself, you know, she could even do some sort of a little mini whatever yeah. you want to do just to kind of like make it not look as bad as it did because it was not a good look. Anything else? I guess the only thing I want to point out is I was kind of disappointed. One of my favorite players to watch is Charlie Hall. Like I yeah, just didn't, didn't play well. Did not play well. Didn't have that like, like I thought she was going to be just one of those the way she's been playing, first of all, she's been playing very, very good golf, but she's got that it factor. You know what I mean? Like she just got that fun to watch and she was just brutal. It's almost like she didn't have it. And she was just going to be like, all right, I just don't have it this week. So I'm just going to kind of tap out. Yeah. Supposedly she was kind of hurt or something. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I don't, I guess to me, the big takeaway was a, I thought the golf course looked kind of cool. Like it looked like a pretty sweet golf course, but, the TV coverage was so shitty. Like, I don't know who to put that on. It's not, obviously it's not on the Solheim cup. It's, it's gotta be on the networks. Uh, and uh, every podcast has talked about it, I'm sure. But the, the TV coverage was brutal. It was awful. Like Saganda legitimately shanked a shot in singles match play with a one up lead or whatever it was on like 15. And you never saw it on TV. It was just, Oh, she shanked one. That's all they said. Like, can we see the fucking shank? Like, that's what people want to see. Like, these people are human, you know. I I don't understand the TV coverage there. It was bad the whole time. But yeah, I don't know. I got nothing, nothing else. Okay. Well, well, we know Tim. Tim was out grinding that wildflower and taking a tour of Minnesota like he normally does, playing lots of golf. So he didn't get a chance to watch as much. But I'm sure he'll have a little bit more input on the Ryder Cup. Does anybody want to discuss potential storylines, things you're looking forward to? We don't know the pairings yet. We don't know kind of all the information, but I think we can at least get out some of the things that, you know, watch for this, look for that sort of a sort of thing for the week. So the early reports from the U.S. players, especially that have been over there now, and they went over there, you know, a couple weeks ago and played is the golf course is wild. Like the greens are wild. The rough is incredibly thick. You knew it was going to be set up that way by the Europeans. Um, So I think the golf course is going to be interesting to see. I think the weird thing is, um, you know, there's this idea that you know, the American players hit it farther, you know, blah, blah, blah. But if you look at it statistically, I went and I kind of went and looked at all the players, all 12 from each side. They're about the same driving distance. It's it's not 
there's not a huge advantage for the Americans off the tee distance wise, you know, accuracy wise, really it's, it's basically a toss up. So it'll be interesting to see how they set the golf course up to me. I think Rory's already kind of talked about how it's going to, they want, they want to squeeze the areas. They want to squeeze areas where, you know, like driver landing zones so that the Americans want to lay back. So they have to hit long irons instead of wedges because I think he, he said basically the analytics show the wedges are the strength of the American team. And if you look at back to France, um, the the Europeans hit a ton of irons that they laid back off the tee and got in the fairways where the American team kept hitting driver into the rough and you know over and over again, never adjusted and got their ass kicked. So I, that's the course set up to me is a little bit of the story. I don't I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with the pairings. I don't. I don't know. Some will argue the, the the France win was the was the hype video. That's why they won so bad. That you posted today. I did. You know, I I truly believe there's something to that. I I truly believe that. Um. It's a bigger deal for the Europeans. I I think. Uh, you know, and I, and I think maybe not so much today. You know, I think the modern Europeans all play on the PGA Tour pretty much, and. But I think historically, the European players have felt slighted. You know, like the European tour, like they're not like they're not the PGA Tour. They're the second class tour. They they've felt slighted. They've uh, you know I don't know. It just seems like it's a bigger deal to them uh, than it is to the Americans. And I think if you're going to win over there, um, it's got to be a big deal. I mean, you have to. You know, obviously they want to win, but like I don't know. It's just something different for the Europeans to me. It's it. There's more to it for them than it is for the Americans. It's so it seems anyway. I guess my my big question, right? We're we're headed to Rome. We're headed to a region not necessarily known for for golf. We're headed to a region not necessarily associated with the British Isles or anywhere close. Um, is it really a home game? I mean, we're we're dealing with a an area of the Mediterranean that is so distanced from where a lot of the guys are coming from. Yes, there's some Spaniards, but most of the guys are coming from the Isles, and they're coming from a place where, you know, that's potato Europe. It's not it's not tomato Europe. Yeah, it's it's a different it's a different setup. But so was France. You know, I mean. France was a as a different was a different kind of deal too, but I I mean I'm I was looking today, you know all time, the U.S. is just a, a way ahead, twenty seven to fourteen. But a lot of that that is that is a long time ago, since nineteen eighty five, Europe is eleven six and one. Europe has dominated this thing basically the last forty years, um and and some of these have been just so here's here's kind of how this all works out, and this to me I think goes back to that. There seems to be a little more heart, maybe. I don't know, in the European team. When the U.S. wins, out of out of the six U.S. wins, four of them have been just complete ass kickings. Whistling straights, 19 to 9. Um, Hazeltine, 17 to 11. 2008 at Valhalla, 16 and a half, 11 and a half. And uh, there's one more somewhere. But anyway, uh, I think the U.S., if they get out early, you know, on Friday and they get going They're the They can run away with things. They're very, they, I think the U S is a deeper team, you know, top to bottom. But if you look at a lot of the close, the close fights, look at some of these European wins, 95, they won 14 and a half to 13 and a half, 97, 14 and a half, 13 and a half. Um, uh, 2010, 14 and a half, 13 and a half, 2012, 14 and a half, 13 and a half. The European teams find a way to kind of finagle and sneak out these just tight, you know, rider cups that are down to the wire. They, for whatever reason, I don't know if they putt better or what, but they win a lot of really, really close ones. Um, now, and there's been a few like the U.S. won a Kiwa 91, 14 and a half, 13 and a half. But I think there's a whole different dynamic with these two teams, historically at least, where um, the U.S. gets her going. Like they did at Whistling, and it's like a freight train. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to stop. But if it's if, if it's tight from the beginning, I think uh, that favors the Europeans. Who it's basically a toss up in Vegas now. You know, I think last year you would have looked at it and said, "Oh man, you know, the U.S. team is going to kick the shit out of them." But if you look at the present form of the European team, 
And then you look at the guys they've added. I mean, Ludwig Gaberg is the best driver of the golf ball in the world right now, statistically. And I had listened to Rory talking about him today, and he was like, it's unbelievable, you know, how well he hits it. Now, maybe he might lose every match, but, um, you know, the guys in the back end have, have have look a lot better than they did a while back, you know, the chances. So, so I don't know. Um, but like I said, they have not, the U.S. has not won since 1993 in Europe. 30 years to the day, basically, at the Belfry. They won 15-13. So it's, I think it's hard to do. I think it's hard even now. Again, Tim's probably right. You're not going to a traditional kind of place, but I guarantee you all those people from Scotland and Ireland and wherever will be there. They'll they'll show up and they'll have flags draped and they'll be ole, 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 left and right. It'll be a scene for sure. Um, See, that's, that's what I'm completely shocked by, right? You've got... You've got such a, a melting pot of, of different cultures, not to say America isn't. I mean, it is the number one melting pot in the world as far as the country is concerned. Uh, but you have so many distinct and bordered cultures over there to come together as what we always seem as this very cohesive team. Because we brought it up on this podcast. Are the Americans that cohesive? I mean, you're dealing with things like, not that they don't all know, the same language, at least one or two of them are all shared. Um, but you're talking about a group that all speaks the same language, came from all the same country, and seems to be less cohesive when we talk about it versus a European team that's speaking multiple languages from different places, from less background playing together, but seems to always come together in, in team formats. So it's just it's interesting to me that somehow they continue to do this year in and year out, especially on their own soil. I think that the, um, I think the 21 version and this version is maybe more cohesive than the United States has ever been. Like for how great Tiger and Phil and some of those guys were, they were never great Ryder Cup. You know, I don't know. There was just something about it where I think this group with Spieth, Justin Thomas, um, you know, Kepka's played a few now. Uh, I know there's some I know there's some some rookies, but they're older rookies. You know, Brian Harmon's been around the block. I'm sure he'll have nerves on the first tee. Wyndham, you know, he's younger, but not that young. He's won a major. You know, I, I think I think um I think the chemistry aspect is better with this American group the last few rounds here than it's been ever, or at least in recent history when it comes to Ryder Cups. They, they seem like a, a more cohesive unit. I don't know if that makes sense for golf. Well, I got a couple of things. First of all, Tim, to solve your problem, Luke Donald, huh. his last pick, it should have been Guido Migliozzoni. Home Italian. Boy, does he sound like he has some melanin in his skin. Well, but Good think Lord. about that, though. <laughs> you know, in 2018, Francesco killed every him and Tommy Fleetwood. Remember, they were laying in bed doing all the funny stuff. They just killed everybody in his game. I, I, I'm sure, in, you know, five years ago, you would have thought for sure that Francesco was going to be on this team, you know, in Italy. That You know, now he's nowhere to be found. His brother is actually doing all the analytics for the European team. But, uh, yeah, anyway. The other thing I was going to say, cohesion-wise, we already have three mullets on the team. Like they're they're doing, yeah, we got three mullets, that. so we are doing things to try to bring us together. And I think that's kind of one thing that um, USA has learned from the Europeans. I feel like the Europeans have had that uh, cohesion part figured out for many years, and I feel like the USA team is just starting to get that figured out. And that's why you see some picks the way you see picks, right? You got. Cohesion matters. Keegan Bradley, I listened to, uh, I think it was the, the, I was really interested to hear how he reacted to the the news. And it was the, I think Barstool interviewed him and our foreplay, I should say. And he basically said, like, he he agreed with the picks. Like, he he thinks that's a huge part of the Ryder Cup. It's like, if he had one regret, that was how he came off on tour and how he didn't, he was way too serious all the time. He didn't interact with anybody. He was so focused on just how he was doing and individually and trying to make money that he ignored all the parts about building friendships, bonds, relationships with this person, that person. And he regrets it. And he understands why he wasn't picked. He would love to be there. I think he'd still been a great pick. Um, but he, yeah. yeah, he said that. I thought that was a really cool way 
Yeah. Um, to kind of get more insight on that. Well, he's 100% correct because if you look, like I said, the Europeans have dominated this thing pretty bad in the last 40 years. They, they have, they've almost doubled up the amount of wins the Americans, and they haven't done it with a lot of guys who aren't. You know, Ian Poulter played in four Ryder Cups, and he was never an automatic selection, ever. He was always a captain's pick. Didn't matter what his form was. He'd just show up and kick ass. And, and that's what they've done for years with guys like that. I think the U.S. is kind of, um, you know, slowly figured that out, you know, with like with pairings, you know, damn well on Friday, probably the first group out. Well, I would not be shocked is Xander and Cantlay. They're going to be paired together. They've been almost unbeatable or Spieth and Thomas. One of the two. They're going out right away. I was just going to ask you that. I wanted to ask you that because we haven't won in 30 years. You know how much pressure is there, especially on the road. Mike, if you are Luke Donald and Tim, you are Luke. Uh, sorry, Mike, you're not Luke Donald. Mike, you are Zach Johnson. Tim, you are Luke Donald. <laughs> who do you know? Who do you send out on that first box as a pairing? So we'll start uh, with if... Mike. You kind of already in, intrigued. I was going to ask this question though, just to start it off. We know how important this is. You said getting off to a, a, a quick start. Who do you put that sh- on that shoulders of getting that first? Oh, for sure, I got this set up for sure. I mean. You go to the first tee in Rome, you know, you're walking down the little fucking walkway or whatever, and you throw out there to hit the opening tee shot. Patrick Cantley. It might take three minutes. By the <laughs> time by by the time he hits it, they're done making noise. They're so tired of, of olaying. They've olayed themselves for two minutes straight and they're like, oh, I've got to take a break. And then it's just silent and, and Cantley just rips one. But I think I'm guessing uh, it's it's going to be one of those two teams, isn't it? I mean yeah. Like Zach Johnson's job, like obviously it's tough, but it's also kind of easy. Like for the group, for the team parts, you never break up Cantlay and Xander, at least until they show they can't. They've never, they've, I don't know if they've ever lost. I think they're undefeated in President's Cup and Ryder Cup. I don't think they've lost. And you're probably not breaking up Spieth and Thomas. They were ass kickers at, at Whistling Straits. So there you have half of your, your team things right there. Um, so I, I'm throwing Cantlay and Xander. They've been the most dominant of any pairing we've had. Just throw them out there right away and against whoever. Tim, who you got for going against against this two? I I want to put a I want to put a big personality up there. Just break up the the awful monotony of watching those two meander <laughs> down the fairway. Um. So I want to spice it up, and I also want to put a winner against him. So I'd pick Fleetwood, and I'd put Hatton with him. Just two countrymen, just just loud and boisterous. That have hardly ever get, won. Okay, just getting in their head. It doesn't matter. It does. It. I want to. I want to completely get those two routed out of what they're used to, right? Want, and and you gotta you gotta hold some of the big dogs for later on. Let's say let's say this thing gets a little gnarly, and and Cantley and Sander get beat on Friday. And maybe maybe the Europeans are, are up big, and you got to do something. You're you're Zach Johnson. You got to you got to change this up a little bit. You got to throw them off their game. Do you put together Cantley and Brian Harmon and just first to just slow roll this whole thing so the round takes like eight hours? It just ta- it's just gonna take forever. We're just gonna grind. <laughs> we're, just gonna, we're just gonna grind them to a pulp and just wear them down with patience. Rob's gonna need a porta potty on every other hole because he's gonna be sitting around for like half an hour just waiting. You know, pissing pissed that he's throwing microphones and shit, you know, just whatever, just because they're just put, so slow. put Fitzy, Fitzy and Hatton with him, right? <laughs> Fitzy's doing notes. He's like sketching in his little diagram book. He's, he's just going to town on his notepad and Hatton is just <laughs> cussing and throwing clubs in the back. It's perfect. Well, how about this question? Will Fitzpatrick finally win a Ryder Cup point? He's, he's Owen, whatever. He's never won a point. I'm shocked that dude has won any of the stuff he's won. So I'm not the one to, to talk to about positivity with Fitzpatrick. I actually, I actually think that this golf course low key fits his game really well. I think it's a really good golf course for Matt Fitzpatrick. So we'll see what happens. Any man that wears Skechers is not a winner in my heart. <laughs> no, this is true. I 100% agree with you 100%. But uh, I think the golf course really fits his game well. So I, we'll see. Right. Who would you throw? Who would you throw out, Jeff? Who would you throw it right away as a team? Do you put the big dogs right away, or do you wait for those guys? I don't know. I I think I, I think you're right. You have to go with one of those two pairs. I I could. I think in the past they've put out Spieth and Thomas. Have they not? 
Yeah, it's possible. I mean, either they're, those guys are going to be teams. You know it. They're going to be paired together. I, I would be shocked. I'm just, I would be I, mo- more than shocked if they're not. I would just, I, I would think that, I think I'm kind of leaning towards more what you had said. And the reason why I say that is, you know, with JT, just a little bit, not quite sure. You know, you're, you're, you're he's, I think he's going to be okay, but like you want to get that point and you want to, you want to throw out two guys that are steady and maybe because it's on the road too. That's my, you're not jacking up anybody, right? There's, there's going to be USA fans there, but you're not like out there, you know, taking, you know, shotgun and beers and throwing you're you're you have and this is what i was i like to get into the mentality of this thing like these guys these 12 americans have a chance at absolute history like like they have a chance to stop something that has been going on for 30 years like like i would love for them to just fully embrace being on the road and just loving every minute of it now it's harder to do because you don't have the crowd behind you but it's almost in some ways like it's a it's a guy in basketball that loves to go on the road and shut somebody up, you know. That loves to shush the crowd, loves to um you know I know Patrick Reed's you know has kind of done that in the past. Little like, Robert, little, little Robert Ory, big shot Bob. Yes, you know you need a big shot Bob out there. You need somebody that just embraces somebody else's soil, somebody else's home, and you're coming in there to spoil it, and that's what you're there to do, and you're there to to be like legends. And I would love to get in the head of some of these rookies that are showing up for the first time with how much pressure there is to, to do it. But um, yeah, I would say, I would say those would probably be my two. And, and you know what, you know, you, you can't, you can't deny um, two guys that are steady. I think they're just, they're known to be steady. They're known to not be random. They're known to be very, they make cuts all the time. They're they're not going to go out, I think, and get their ass kicked. Right. I, I think they're oh, going to be right. it no matter what I think. So so that'd be my other thing. I was going to ask you guys as well this too. And, and before we kind of get off this storyline, I've got one more storyline. So you guys have something else with that. Do you guys? Have- well, I just think it's a fascinating pick for Luke Donald. Cause I, I think Luke Donald's probably sitting there. I think he's got to know that. Yeah. You know, I, I would, if I'm Luke Donald, I'm, I'm guessing it's Cantley and Xander maybe, but it's going to be one of those two teams probably. So do you, do you put together Rory and somebody, or do you kind of sacrifice you know, do you put, do you put a rookie, you put like, if you got Cantley and Xander going right away, do you, do you put a big dog against them or do you kind of sacrifice that point and get the point back somewhere else? You know, I, it's a fascinating how he's going to play that, um, that matchup. Cause you know, it's coming, you know, it's coming hundred percent. I don't think Rory's part of that group. I don't think you want to get deflated with your like, you know, yeah. I do. I, and not to say that, I don't know. Rory's kind of, I don't know how to explain it. He's not like the best, you know, player ever, but he's just kind of like the icon of your team. John mm-hmm. Rob could be somebody that I think might be placed early. Now he ha- doesn't have Sergio with him. Yeah. If he did, I could maybe see those two guys coming out early, but, but I think Rob might be with somebody that one of those first groups out too. I think, I think that would be kind of the smart thing for them to do. It's a fascinating Ryder cup for Europe because they got Ludwig, Nikolai Hoygaard, Big Bob, Bob McIntyre. They have some younger guys there. And I think they're going to, you, you want to throw them out there a decent amount because, you know, for sure, Ludwig, maybe Nikolai Hoger is pretty good, maybe Bob. But, you know, those guys, if they think they're going to be like stalwarts for the next decade, the next Ryder Cup is in New York at Beth Page. But you want to see crazy fucking fans? Like, that's going to be. Like the pod's got to go to New York for that one. And we got to go. That's going to be absolute hysteria. And, you know, it's going to make, it's going to make Rome look like child's play. You know, the fans are going to be crazy bonkers. Um, So I think there's a little bit of that for Luke Donald too. He's like, he wants, they want to win obviously, but they got to get those guys, those young guys, a decent amount of experience now, because it's going to be rowdy. At, at Beth Page in two years. So I, I, I'll, I'll be fascinated to see where he throws those guys out. I was going to say, speaking of Rory, our boy Wyndham has come out and said he wants I know. <laughs> he wants a piece. So, so what you I don't know what, I don't know what to make of this. I'm, I'm, you I'm, throw I'm, him out against Rory? Do you do it? I love it. But at the same time, I'm so conflicted. I'm like, Wyndham, man, this is Rory's seventh Ryder Cup. Like, like I'm, 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 I'm so conflicted. I can't, I can't wait. I, I get it. I absolutely get it. Like all these guys think like that. They have to, right? They're, they're you you don't get you don't get to the level that these guys are at in any sport 
without thinking you can beat anybody. Right. I mean, that's how they, you have to think that way. Um, but, but I, I love it, man. It, it makes great stuff for us. Like people that talk about this, it makes it better for us. Hell yeah. Go win them. Talk some shit. Let's go. Who, uh, who was it? Was the Abraham answer that tiger did the whole meme handshake as the putt was rolling in on? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the all timer is at the WGC just talking. Well, no, shit. that's, that's a different, this is a, a re-engineered putt where it, it, he'd made the putt and goes and shakes the hand of, of Abraham answer who asked for the match saying yeah. tiger, I'm going to bring you down. And yeah, well, and here tiger is on the reimagined version, shaking his hand before the putt even drops. And let's, I, let's, I mean, let's just talk about this for a second here because it's one thing to talk shit to tiger in 2001 Abraham answer wanted Tiger in 2018 or something or 19, whatever that was, like when he's hobbling around, barely, barely able to play. But, um, you know, I don't you feel I, I kind of feel looking at the golf course that Wyndham's game really kind of fits this track. Like, I think it sets up well for him. He's a great putter. He's a good chipper. He's a pretty good driver of the golf ball, you know, like, like. I think I think it's sneaky sets up pretty good for Wyndham. So, you know, I don't I don't know. It actually um doesn't to me set up greatly for Rory. You know, Rory's gonna hit it well off the tee, probably, but don't you feel like if the European plan is to shrink the fairways at kind of at those spots where everybody's hitting it to. Now, unless Rory maybe he is that much longer than everybody else, I don't know. Doesn't that take away a big weapon from his arsenal if he's got a layback also and he can't just rip driver everywhere? Like, you know, it well, seems we, like to me he's obviously he's a great, Wyndham and Rory down at the same spot though. Yeah, so I mean, like, like obviously, I think Rory's maybe maybe one of the better long iron players too because he hits it so high and everything. But like, it kind of seems like like Rory plays very American kind of golf. Like he just rips driver around. Like you know, that's his game too. So I, I don't know if for whatever reason I just don't see the golf course suiting his game that well um because he doesn't it's not like rory's a great putter but i do think match play putting is a lot different when and rory's at his best when he's when he's rolling it with a little more pace than trying to lag it up there i think rory's better you know usually when he's chasing in majors and stuff when he's making putts is when he's you know it feels the need to to get it going and not like saint andrews when he's just you know kind of in neutral um so i feel like rory putts a little better than the Ryder cups but it seems like the course doesn't fit his game that well. I don't know. That'd be interesting if 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 Wyndham can hit some cuts too. I, I guess I don't quite know the dog leg situation, but he's loves to hit that cutter. We'll hit that cutter even if there's a dog leg left at times. So it'll be interesting if that's how the golf course sets up or not. But um, question for both of you. All right, I have two scenarios. You get to you get to pick one American to play any sort of. Let's not even think alternate shot versus just just one American that you get to play with. And a team team point for a team point. All right. So I think about that. And then one European that you would like to go against in singles. Mm-hmm. So let's pretend that you're on the team, you're your American player. Who is the one player that you would like to get paired with? And then who is the guy that you would like to go against um in the single portion? Well, okay, before we do this. Alcohol allowed? Are we doing like Ryder Cup? Can we, can we drink beer? Um, like, is this a thing? I, I think we should probably keep it to what it normally. This, this would definitely affect the picks. I think. I think it would be no alcohol. Okay, it's like actual Ryder Cup. Okay. Yep. yep. Oh man, well, you never, you never know who's drinking. John Daly That's cut us that. That's true. Oh man, I'm trying to think of my game. I'm trying to pair up my game, my shitty game, with one of these guys. It's all personality based. That's all I care about. <laughs> Hmm. And we're just playing. I'm playing one person head to head. One European you're playing, and you're playing with one American. You go ahead first, Tim. I'm thinking here. I, I got it locked in. I'm playing with Brooks Kepka. I mean, I'm bringing bandanas. We're going to be the Bash Brothers out there. It is going to be an absolute scene. Are you okay? So let's let's talk Bash Brothers here. So Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire had a lot of power. I mean, they hit bombs. I don't know if the if the two thirty spinner at at Marco Simone is going to put you I'm, in the bad personality the match. category. No, no, I'd bring the drawback for Marco Simone. 
<laughs> I would, I would, I would practice at least two days before going over. Get the draw back. <laughs> I would love to see the look. Uh, so I would love to see the look on Brooks Kepka's face when it's like two sixty to carry the fescue to get to the fairway, and you hit the, and it's alternate shot. And you hit the spinner like two twenty five into the fescue. Doesn't get to the fairway. I would yeah, love to see his reaction. He's gonna look. He's gonna look at you and be like, "This guy beats you." Yeah, yeah, he does. Let's he finds a way. It's grit. Oh my god! <laughs> Let's give credit to the true Brass Brothers. It's Fulton and the other guy from the Mighty Ducks. Those are the best. Oh yeah, yeah. That's Fulton and um, God, what the hell was that guy's name? I can't remember. Uh, Dean something, wasn't it? Dean, uh, whatever, from like Miami. Yeah, Dean, I think. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, God, who would I play with? I think I would play. Well, I could go a couple ways with this. I would love to play with Spieth just so we could talk about fashion and say, like, what is Under Armour doing, man? But I think, I think for me, this is obvious. There's nobody better to play with on this American team than Justin Thomas. Like, just from, like, if you want to play with a guy who like obviously hasn't played well, but like who's going to be fiery, get fired up. That's the guy. Like he's the alpha dog of this team uh, for sure. Brooks Koepka has got a losing record in the Ryder cup, by the way, or like 500. Um, There's one guy here. That's the alpha. You can even ask Rory. Rory said it right on the subpar podcast. He's like, I knew they'd pick him all along because he's the guy you don't want to play. Nobody wants to play him. He's that good in match play, and we'll see if it, what happens this year. But I, I would play with JT. You know who else I would sneakily like to play with? We would, we would probably struggle on the greens. I would sneakily like to play with Morikawa, just, just because you'd always be, in, you know, I could hit it anywhere, and he'd be like, oh, it's okay, I'll hit an iron on the greens. I'm that good. But um, yeah, JT for sure. Like that, that guy's the dude when it comes to the Ryder Cup. All right, who are you, who are you playing <laughs> against? Who do you want captain to put you against? All right, all right, all right. I, I'm used to playing with a bunch of guys that slam clubs, throw things, cuss. You know, a, a couple folks, not you guys. You you haven't broken anything. Although I thought Mike was going to be close to breaking things the last couple rounds, mostly his putter, <laughs> uh, or at Landman <laughs> tossing his putter across a cart path. Yeah, no, that one's on. That's a, that one's on timeout this year anyway. I want to feel at home on my trip to Rome. So I need to play with or against Terrell Hatton just, just because I, what am I going to do with a well-adjusted human being with, with any sort of class or game or level headedness? I won't know what to do with myself. I need, I need that psycho person in my life. Like I need you guys. So we're going to have to go with Terrell. Good pick Tim. Mike. Oh yeah. Well, I just think like, I think Terrell will be fun as hell just to play with, just to, just to listen to him. But um, I'll just mic you up. You can re-listen to yourself. That's probably true. I probably do talk <laughs> a little bit like him as well. But um, there's a lot of ways I can go with this one. You know, I don't want to play with Rory or Rom. Yeah, I mean, that'd be great, whatever. I do feel like if I played with Ludwig, I have a lot of Ikea questions. Like, we could talk Ikea. You know, we could talk about putting putting together furniture and why it is the way it is and so hard. But I don't want to go there. Um, boy, I don't even know who I would play with. Um, playing against, not with. We're playing against, yeah, on the European team. So I'll, um, I'll give mine while you think, because I'm. Yeah, I'm, you go ahead. I'm going battles on the lefty. I'm I'm taking down Bob McIntyre. They're only lefty on the squad. <laughs> Bobby did one for team lefties. We're gonna take. We're gonna take it home. Not that you know he's necessarily the star, the stud. I'm taking out. But I'm just trying to hold, you know, I'm trying to put on for the lefties across the world that, that this lefty's the <laughs> man. So, well, I mean, if I could go the same route as you and I could say play Shane Lowry in the battle of the chubby guys, you know, I just like, <laughs> you know, see so you could, see so you could hang in there. I, you know, I, you know, I, I feel oh, like, oh no, the, it's all square going into. 18 and it's a race up a slight incline <laughs> if we if, if it came down to it it was and it was a tie and when it came down to an eating contest i guarantee you i could eat more pizza for sure in in italy than he could if, if, if it all came down to it i could fucking just pound pounds of neapolitan pizzas <laughs> yeah oh 100 you put some neapolitan in front of me i will own his ass we're <laughs> <laughs> gonna hang it off of a fishing pole <laughs> 
Uh, good news. I did bring up the concessions and there will be a, uh, a few different pizza stands available with yeah, I would, hope, I would hope so. Good God. I you're could, in Italy. I could not find a list of drink options though. And I, I know they're being served. It is something that's there. I don't know if it's going to be beer based with, I, what do they even drink? Like Peronis or whatever they're called. Or, I think Peroni is the Italian beer. Yeah. yeah There's not much yeah. Italian beer. Or are people just going to be absolutely hammered wine drunk off Chianti? Because that would be a dream week right there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know. I think like this golf course is, is Rome, but it's like not Rome. It's way outside of the city. I'm sure it's like, I'm sure it's kind of like Hazeltine is here where it's like, you know, Minneapolis, but it isn't, it's 40 minutes away, you know? So I, I, it'll be interesting to see what the setup is there, but, and we'll be hopefully to hear about it from John sometime after the Ryder cup. Yeah. Um, one thing before we wrap up today, I, we, we brought up the mullets, we brought up the camaraderie, brought up, you know, some of the hair, the greatest comeback outside of Medina might be Zach Johnson hairline. Have you seen this? <laughs> He's got a full <laughs> now. Have I have seen- not. I have not seen this, but you know, <laughs> it was a picture of him. You know, he's, you always see him with a hat. I've not, when he took his hat off, it was not pretty. Now he's confidently walking down the airplane, you know, runway with his with holding the Ryder Cup, not wearing a hat. I mean, it's yeah, bad. He's, he's PXG or he's PXG now. Go big or go home, baby. You can't so, be have a PXG with no hair. Flash. I, I am sure. I am sure PXG is injecting him with steroids when he shows oh, probably. up. Probably. Speaking of photos and stuff, I'm almost 100 percent positive that Jordan's going to play well because he's got no. He's the only one with no wife in the, or girlfriend. He's got no ladies with him. Nothing. You know, she just had the baby. She's staying home. He's just locked in. He's just ready to go. He doesn't have to listen to the. You know, he doesn't have the. Uh, um, you know, you know, the wife with that wants to go to the fucking Sistine Chapel or oh, let's go look at the Trevi Fountain. You know, he's just locked into golf and Under Armour. He's ready to rock. That's a good point. <laughs> you know, every every good trip starts with ditching your significant other. <laughs> you know, he timed that well. He timed that baby on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't be surprised if he have he has another one in two years. Yeah, probably. Yeah. You don't want to bring the new baby to New York either. Stay home. You know, he's trying to focus on the golf. Yeah. And so Mike, you were talking about um, TV coverage comes on at what time on Friday? I think it's like one 30 AM when I look today, it's, it's, um, and then obviously it goes, they play, they play 36 Friday, Saturday. So it'll basically go all day, you know, into the, into the morning and around lunch hour. But I think one 30, Eastern time maybe was the uh, start. So it's gonna be a long night Thursday night. Get the popcorn ready. Get some brewskis out. Is this uh, is this all on uh, Golf Channel? Because I mean, I think it's I, USA. Nothing... I think it might oh. be USA. I want to say mm-hmm. USA has coverage. The golf. It's not Golf Channel. It's um. Let me see. I got it here. It's that the coverage should be good. I mean, as far as the the physical being able to watch it, coverage should be good. I don't know what's gonna actually. Yeah, Friday <laughs> is one. 1.35 a.m. is the opening foursomes, and that is going to be on USA. And then at 5.30 a.m., uh, no, at USA from Friday from 1.30 to noon. Once you get to the weekend, it, it switches to uh, NBC at 5.30 a.m., so it's USA and, and NBC. But it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be even crazier than uh, than like the Open Championship, which is normally like a 4 a.m. wake up. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's gonna be uh, interesting. I don't know if I'll be able to, to get up that early, but I'm sure I'll have it DVR'd and be able to watch it later in the day. Um, you boys gonna stay up and watch it live? And rights we are. This is the Ryder Cup. We gotta win this shit on foreign soil, man. I was at Hazeltine four days in a row. That was a lot. So but, remember, uh, remember, you drink fifteen cups of coffee in a day. I do not. So oh yeah, I might even do. I do. I break out the entire USA outfit that I wore to Hazeltine. The suit. The, only, the last time I've worn a suit, literally. So the suit you worn, huh? <laughs> the last time I've worn a suit was a, is a uh, let's see, the pants are red. The undershirt's white. The tie is red and white. And then the, the, the blazer is navy blue with white stars all over it. So I got, so that was uh, how I rolled the last time I wore a suit was in 2016 at the Ryder Cup. It was hot That's as hell. Uh... I was sweating my ass off out, out there. 
It was not. It was not cool. That's not a. It's not quite a suit there, Mike. That is just a blazer and trouser combo. Unfortunately, that's a, but, uh, a real suit. You you wear that to one of your doctor visits. You're going to get that get that client for sure. <laughs> Put that on. I can see. I can see. Can you see Timmy just kind of strolling in on Ryder Cup Friday to some office on Friday to try to sell some drugs, and he's got that suit on with the with the Hulk Hogan theme music in the background. You know, just just walking in with the, I'm a real American, and they're all going to sign up. It's Ryder Cup week. Mike, Hazel team, did you see me sleeping in between holes one and two? I just off the rough. I did not. I uh, right, I, I can tell you the, the funny thing yeah. is is uh. I was there early, man. I was on the first tee at like 6 a.m. We were on, I was actually on NBC. I got my phone saved somewhere. I was on the coverage. And uh, I remember we were yelling at, at Martin Keimer because it was cold, but it wasn't that cold. He had on a full scarf, winter hat, and winter gloves. It's not, it was, it was like 50 something, you know, and people were just badgering him to no end. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's the thing, though. Like when it comes back to Hazeltine, I'll go. I'm not going to go every day. I'll go like one day. It's it's well, it really not if you get media credentials, huh? Well, unless we unless we get media credentials, then sure, I'll be there every day. But um, it's actually not a great, great golf event to watch live because there's so few players out there. Like at Hazeltine, I basically went from hole one to hole eight, which is you know 17 normally, and, and just sat there and waited and listened on the radio and watched on the big screen and. Like I was there for Rory and Reed. Uh, I was on that green for the big Rory Reed putt thing and all that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I probably won't. I'll probably be more like sweatpants and sweatshirt than than the full, uh, you know, Americano outfit. At least, at least take a picture of it and put it post it on social media. It's like I'm one of the days you got to do that. Yeah, maybe I got it. I don't know if I can still fit in it. Holy shit, that was a long time ago. <laughs> oh, that's even better. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, honestly, I, I honestly would highly. It would probably be. I could. I'd be in my boxers. The pants probably wouldn't fit. I'd be in my boxers with uh, with uh, the top stuff on. I have the perfect audio all ready to go on it. <laughs> Drive the ladies wild on social media. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, all right, boys. It's been a pleasure. Um, Whoa, 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 we got we got a mi- we mixed missed one thing. We gotta talk about Norman Zhang okay. quickly. So I'm sure Tim wants to talk about Liv, but that is the one. Speaking of the Ryder Cup, before we move on, Liv. If America loses, I do think this becomes a thing. Bryson won again. He's played really well l- lately. It could become a thing if America loses that, you know, should they have taken Bryson? I can see it becoming an issue. But uh, anyway, uh, Corn Ferry, a name from the past, not that far ago, but maybe he Norman Zhang won this week on the Corn Ferry Tour, and that means he's up to like 12th. He's going to get his PGA Tour card. For those of you who don't know, Norman Zhang might be – and maybe there's somebody else. You guys have to tell me if you think of this. He might be the most highly touted amateur since Tiger, um, like coming out of high school, college. Like this is this. Listen to Norman Zhang's like amateur career. He went in high school. He won the Junior World Championship, the Junior PGA Championship, first team All American, Junior Golf Association, best player in California. He left high school early to go to Oregon, where he was the Phil Mickelson Award as the nation's top freshman. He won the Western Amateur by beating Doc Redman, who's on the PGA Tour. He was the second-place qualifier at the U.S. Amateur in 2017. Did lose in match play. 2017 Walker Cup, he was 3-0-1. 2018, he won the Jack Nicklaus Award for Division I Men's Golfer of the Year and the Haskins Award for Most Collegiate um, Golfer. His his college coach at the time, and then Casey Martin, and, and I know John was coaching too, I think, Casey Martin basically compared him to Tiger. Like, like this kid is like the real deal. And then he like fell, then he turns pro and just falls off the map. Has no status anywhere. Like no corn fairy. Like he's, I don't, I don't even, he's playing on like these super low level tours. I don't even know what. And now he's back. He's going to be on the PGA tour next year. So kind of a cool story that Norman Zhang, uh, who is super talented has has worked his way back or to the PGA Tour for the first time. He's actually still young. He's like 24. He's not old. 
when we first talked to John Ellis, he did, we, we talked, somehow he, his name came up and he, he, he had some good stories about him. So it'd be interesting to talk to John next time we talk to him about what he, what he, what he thinks of, of Norman. And, you know, maybe he comes out and says, Hey, if he just has his mind right or mentality, like where Wyndham kind of had that, you know, that uh, switch go off this year, right. He, he kind of took the next step. Maybe, maybe he could kind of make a, make a run too. So. Yeah. I mean, he was prolific amateur for a while there, like the best in the world. All right, Timmy, how about you take us out today? So one, one update before is that, uh, and I'm not sure if we're going to be putting on next week's or it's going to be a solo, but some great work done by Mason at a good walk spoiled uh, regarding Joel Goldstrand, one of the most famous designers here in the state of Minnesota. Uh, so watch for some, some very interesting and local info there. But that being said, the difference between 79 and 80 is everything. Thanks, folks. Maybe today's the day I break 80. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold. Well, you hit it on one. Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Break 80.